Well, praise the Lord, everybody. I uh, Again, I apologize for uh, that uh, kind of delay there. Uh, we're trying to adjust to the new technology and uh, having to live stream from our home. Uh, but we're thankful to the Lord that he's given us this opportunity, and we're looking forward to just sharing a brief word um, with you. Again, we just thank the Lord for your uh, presence, your um, support, and uh, being with us today, again, as we adapt to this kind of new way of having church, at least for the next few weeks. Uh, we're believing uh, by God that uh, this is just temporary. Uh, I know some of you are frustrated about being at home and having to uh, not have the freedom that <laughs> this country is built on, freedom to kind of do what you want, go where you want. And um, that's all been uh, kind of limited at this point. And it's for the safety um, of humanity. So um, I encourage everyone to definitely follow the instructions of those that have authority over us um, and do our part in preventing the spread of this uh, very vicious disease. I do want to, uh, I have washed my hands if you just saw me scratch my face, so just so you'll know. Uh, I do I do want to, again, briefly talk to you today um, and uh, just get out of your way. So let's, let's just go to the Word. Uh, the Word of God in the book of Philippians, the fourth chapter, the sixth through the ninth verse, reads like this. It says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. What an awesome, awesome uh, passage. And this is where the Lord has kind of brought my heart today. And I just wanted to share some things uh, with you. We want to break this down just a little bit and kind of talk to you from this. And maybe by the end of this, you'll have a glimpse into why I am full of hope today. Why I am not concerned about the current condition uh, that's going on in the world uh, with a... Um, sense of anxiety or fear or even frustration but I am full of hope and I know that my God is able to keep us even in a time such as this here, here it is it's the first Sunday after our governor's decree that we should stay home and not assemble together and uh, we're trying to abide by that to show that the church can also be obedient to the authority as the Word of God teaches us to do but God has still granted us the means to reach the assembly of humanity with his word of truth. And that's what I'm attempting to do today. It becomes very easy to lose hope and peace during a crisis of this magnitude. The normal course of life is shifted and there's seemingly a new normal, whether it's permanent or it's temporary. Uh, there is definitely a new sense of normal uh, that is happening in our society. Separation and isolation have replaced fellowship and communion. There's much human uncertainty in the air 
at every level. It doesn't matter your class, it doesn't matter your race, it doesn't matter your gender, uh, it doesn't matter your orientation. There is uncertainty that has touched every part of humanity. Our president made a statement based upon hope, and he was crucified by the press for doing it. They deemed him as crazy. How could he say such a thing? How could he dare to hope to believe that by Easter Sunday, the churches could be full while all of humanity gathers to fellowship and celebrate our deliverance from this apocalyptic virus devastating our society? Well, I have to say this. I stand in agreement with the president in that very hope. I'm, you know, maybe crazy enough to think and believe that God could make that very thing happen. How awesome would it be to be again together in fellowship and great praise and celebration of victory over this invisible enemy, as they've deemed it, on Easter Sunday, the day that this disease demonstrates death, it introduces death into humanity. How much greater would it be that on Easter Sunday, the day that Jesus arose from the dead, ascended to demonstrate his power over death and his ultimate gift of life, that on that very day, we are free. That very day, we are able to celebrate together once again. I don't think that's crazy. I believe that God could do it if he chooses. So what do I do then with my time now? as I'm kind of waiting to see how this goes and to see how these things develop. Do I give in to the uncertainty or do I live according to the faith that I've declared throughout my life that I have? The faith in God who is, in, it, 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 he just can't fail. It's impossible for God to fail. A father who's looking after his people. I'm not so concerned about man's ability to cover me and protect me because my faith is not in man, but it is in God and his ability to take care of me. So I just want to take a few more moments of your time this Sunday morning to express to you what God has laid on my heart. And I pray that these words will fill your heart and minds and your soul and spirit with great peace and that you overflow in hope, in the hope that is found in Christ Jesus alone. I'm not counting on man to remedy this crisis. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. My hope and faith is in God, the God who knows all, the God who fills all, the God that is able to fill the minds of men with knowledge and wisdom to combat the very thing we are facing. I believe that God can allow us by his grace to be victorious over this crisis, to restore our society to a society that has learned to put aside our varying differences and accept that we are all in need of each other. When we stand together as one, united in anything, we cannot be stopped. It is only the trick of the enemy to divide us through at the end of the day what means nothing, racial differences, biases. I believe this way, you believe that way, and my way is the right way, and your way is the wrong way, and we can't stand together because of it. 
this is the trick of the enemy. If we would ever come together, support each other, and work as one, there is absolutely nothing that we cannot accomplish. We talk about peace, but do we truly understand how peace is derived and maintained in our lives? The word peace is referenced in the Bible some 3,406 times. You know, God talks about peace like I talk about Star Trek. And I thought I talked about Star Trek a lot. Peace must be something very important to God for him to talk so much about it. In the passage of scripture that I read, we can identify Paul making three statements which carry great significance. And I want to point these out to you. It starts out with Paul giving a charge about anxiety. Be anxious about nothing. Do some of you listen to uh, the news media and feel anxious? Do some of you read the newspapers and feel anxious? Do some of you look at Facebook and see all the different reports and rumors and all these different things and feel anxious? Are some of you listening to me today feeling anxious right now? Or know believers and non-believers alike who are demonstrating some level of anxiety? Well, let's take a closer look at what Paul kicks off with here. What is this thing, being anxious or this word, anxiety? This is not something that is confined to the church or to the church body, but it is a virus in and of itself that is infecting all of mankind regardless of who you are. Anxiety is an equal opportunity employer, and it's hiring right now. We are all struggling with it, but there is only one cure for it. Webster's Dictionary defines being anxious as a painful or apprehensive uneasiness of mind, usually over an impending or anticipated ill. It also says that it is fearful concern or interest. And I love this definition that it gives, an abnormal or overwhelming sense of apprehension and fear, often marked by physiological signs such as sweating, tension, and increased pulse, by doubt concerning the reality and nature of a threat, and by self-doubt about one's capacity to cope with that threat. That is an awesome definition of being anxious because that's where many of us are right now. We are apprehensive and it's manifesting in physical ways. It's showing us that we're not at peace. You need to hold on to these definitions that I've given you as we continue to work through this. Remember the keys to understanding victory is understanding that which is keeping you from the victory that you seek. If we look in the Greek to understand where the words come from, in this case, the phrase be anxious, it comes from the Greek phrase or word merimnamno, which is to take thought. It is derived from a root word which is understood as thought through the idea of distraction. And the word nothing in the Greek basically means a thought of qualified negation based upon absolute denial of distraction. 
So even in the backdrop of this passage of scripture, the church in Philippi was dealing with just about every issue that we deal with as humans, both in the church and from outside the church, reaching into the material and the spiritual uh, spheres of existence. Humanity is dealing with a crippling disease that has impaled the mind. In the midst of everything that is going on right now, how in the world can I keep a hold of peace or even the peace of God as the Bible declares? Well, this is the very point of the scripture. There is an answer to worry and anxiety. And that answer is not natural, but it is supernatural. It's a supernatural answer with supernatural power because it is the supernatural power of the peace of God. Not the kind of peace that will come when we finally develop a cure to our current contagion. A temporary peace that fades away when a new contagion reveals itself to society. God will enable you to conquer worry and anxiety by, ca by causing you to become an overcomer of the very thing that's causing you to be anxious. The Bible declares that God has made us more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, no matter how hard or terrible the crisis may be in our life. God will infuse us with lasting peace, with the very peace of God himself, a peace so great and so wonderful that it carries you right through the chaos because you become the storm, in the storm, that the storm itself fears. Right now, we are afraid of what's going on. We are afraid of the virus that is in the air. Will we catch it? What impact will it have on us? And don't even understand that there is power in us to cause the virus to be afraid, to be afraid of us. I say infuse, and I use this word because it's very particular. It's not a passive word, it's a powerful word because it's just that type of forceful reaction by God that's directed at our trouble. He takes a violent stance against the disruption of his peace in your life. The word of God teaches us that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Peace is not an action of weakness, it is an action of power. It is a force enacted upon the disruption itself. You have the authority from God to violently tear down all things that stand against his word of life. It is this forceful act of throwing your drama, not on your mama, but on him. Pushing it out of your atmosphere, pushing it out of your mind, and casting it and your cares upon him. Remember, this all comes from the creation or birth of thought over the distraction upon your deliverer rather than the focus of your thought on the distraction over your deliverer. Of course, this doesn't mean that we should not be concerned uh, about this current crisis or pretend like it just doesn't exist for the believer because that's not true. We deal with all things. The Bible declares that the rain falls on the just and the unjust, just alike. But we can demonstrate concern just as the world demonstrates concern, but there is a difference between concern and anxiety or worry. Concern drives us to arise and tackle the problem of life 
with an indomitable courage and diligence which is empowered by the indwelling spirit of God working within every aspect of our being and thinking. Concern drives us to tackle and conquer all that we can handle. It's not defined by its limitations, but is defined by its potential. Anxiety and worry cause all kinds of problems for humanity. Anxiety will cause you to fear to take an act. It causes you to withdraw, to be hesitant, to even be cowardice. It'll even put some of us in depression, discouragement, develop a defeatist attitude, start to operate with distrust and unbelief, be unwise and harmful in the decisions that we make. It can even enhance physical sickness and infirmity causing us all kinds of emotional problems which then ultimately lead us to spiritual problems. How could God let something like this happen? Of course, the list could go on and on, but the point to see is the seriousness of anxiety and worry. Just take a moment and think about a few of the above problems that I've mentioned, about how anxiety and worry will cause a person to act and suffer and in many cases unnecessarily. The seriousness is easily seen. We all know people who suffer greatly because of anxiety and worry, simply because they lack the peace of God. You see, without the peace of God, you are driven to search out another source of relief and you will find none. Remember, the creation of thought has to live out its intended purpose and that thought can only reproduce after its kind. When we look to everything else born of corruptible things to find relief, we will only find corruptible results. Think about it. Anger, drunkenness, sexual activities, isolationism, drugs, and the list can go on. The end result of all of these things is always death. They cannot produce life because they are not born of the incorruptible seed of God who is life itself. Yet the charge of scripture is forceful. Be anxious for nothing, not even COVID-19, the coronavirus. Matthew 6, 31 through 33 declares, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whither withal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Luke declares in 1041, And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things. Hebrews declares, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And Peter sums it up in 1 Peter 5 and 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Do you believe the powerful words of God in his scripture? If we do, we should be resting and basking in the peace of God, not dealing with the frustration of our crisis. The remedy for anxiety and worry is prayer. 
It's amazing how much it seems that we are now limited in having the ability to do anything. Even the television companies have stopped producing the newer episodes of our most favorite shows that take up our time because they're all isolated as well. So now we're in perpetual rerun season where you've seen it, you've seen it again, and it ceases to provide the entertainment it once did. I wonder sometimes, is God trying to show us something? How many things have we lost? How many things have we not been able to do in this current season? Is God taking advantage of this opportunity to remind us the most important thing we can do is talk to him? What is prayer? Prayer is simply conversation. It is talking to God just like now I'm talking to you. Due to the limitations that are placed upon the entertainment of humanity, you and I have more opportunity now to seek the face of God in prayer. Paul uses four words to describe exactly how prayer is answered to is the answer to anxiety and how it is the answer to worry and just how effective prayer truly is against it. The first word prayer itself, prosciutte, refers to the special times of prayer that we share in periods of devotion and worship. We should have set times for prayer, times that we especially set aside for devotion and worship. This is the level of intimacy with God that opens him to receive your worship and you to receive the blessings of being in right relationship with him. This would be the birthplace of intimacy in your thoughts with the thoughts of God. What is intimacy? Well, intimacy is the interwoven existence of self-existence with the existence of another existence. The intimacy of God and the thoughts of God is the intertwining of your mind and thought with his mind and thought. It is the unrecognizable difference that they become as they become one. The word supplication, desis, refers to the prayers that focus upon special needs, <laughs> just like our current need for healing and protection from our current crisis with corona. We feel a deep, intense need. Therefore, we go before God and we supplicate or we pour out our soul to God. Need, great need, confronts us. The only possible help and deliverance that is found impossible for man is God's ingenuity, not man's ingenuity. Therefore, we come and lay our need before him just like a child, crying, pleading and begging for help, seeking comfort and deliverance and the peace that he promises to give. Why? Because we are in right relationship with God. We have in, been intertwined in intimacy with him. We have an expectation that because we are now one with him, he hears us and meets our need. This in turn opens up the knowledge of comfort from the state of suffering. If I am one with God and God is impervious to this crisis, then I too 
am impervious to this crisis. Then he uses the word thanksgiving, Eucharistia, which means that we thank and praise God for all that he is and for all that he has done for us. This flows from the heart of our own understanding that God is intimate with us. Therefore, he has a desire to see us succeed and not fail, to live and not die. This, is, this brings inspiration into manifestation in our progression of thought. Thought is so important. How do we see this? How do we relate to what's going on? How do we deal with each other? Then he uses the word request, aitmana, which means specific and defined, definite request. Our praying is not to be general, but specific. We ought to lay before God exactly what it is that we need. And we're not to be in fear that we are being too detailed with God or bothering God or asking for too much. Neither are we to hold back from asking because we fear that he will not answer something so specific. This is why I don't think it's crazy to ask God. Maybe you haven't asked God, but I ask God, let us all come back together on Easter Sunday, April 12th in the year 2020. Father, I declare you are able to do this very thing. Not looking for the peak, not looking for the peak to flatten, but Father, I know you're able to flatten and destroy this virus and its spread right now. Lord, if you would, let us come together and celebrate in great triumph your victory in life over the very thing attacking life. Too often believers fear that they're not going to receive the answer to their very specific request. And that fear will cause them to be weak spiritually. But God has called us to be strong. Note what the scripture says. In everything, pray like this. Use all four ways of praying and use them in praying for everything. Having that set time, not being afraid to ask, supplicating before the Lord. We are to walk in God, live, move, have our being in God. How do we do this? We do this by being in constant communication with God. Pray without ceasing. We live and move in God through prayer. We pray in everything, all day long, as we walk and move about our daily affairs. When you wrap yourself in God, you're covered. When you're covered, you're close. When you're close, you can feel his presence. When you feel his presence, you can be at peace because only that which is greater than God can harm you when you are wrapped in God. We pray in times that are specifically set aside for devotion and worship. We supplicate, struggle in prayer when facing times of deep and intense need. We offer thanksgiving and praise all day long as we walk and move about our day. We make our specific requests to God. We ask him to do definite things. We ask him to do specific things as we walk throughout the day. As I have said, we walk in God. 
We live and move and have our being in him. And the way we do this is through prayer. We are to pray about everything, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant it may seem. God is interested in the details of our lives, in the minutest details. He wants us acknowledging him in all our ways, in every step that we take, because he wants to care and look after every single step. We see this in the nature of his creating. Everything is defined by the differences in the details of their makeup. God is very intricate and in his creation is the same way. He is looking for the same type of return in his investment in us. He created us in great detail and he wants to be a part of every detail of your life. Now picture the scene. We're walking throughout the day, sharing with God every step of the way. And God is taking care of every step that we take. What then can take the peace of God away from us? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. For as we walk in prayer and fellowship with God, God is infusing us with his presence and peace. No matter the conflict we face, no matter the trial we are in, we are continuing to share with God, and God is continuing to infuse us with his peace. Through prayer, he is giving us the peace to conquer and walk through the trial. Our relationship with God and his peace remains unbroken. Understand, I'm not saying our peace, but it is his peace infused in us, even as his spirit is infused in us that remains unbroken. We can never do it in ourselves, but because of the indwelling presence and power of God, we are able to maintain. Matthew 26 and 41 says, watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Luke 18 and 1 says, and he spake a parable unto them to this end, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. This is the necessity of the peace that we're looking for. It's remaining in contact, constant communication with the source of the peace we desire. Peace that says no matter what we're going through, God is still able. Don't you know that the promise of God himself is peace? Peace, irene, means to bound or be joined woven together. It is a desire in God that we return to our original state of creation in him so that he can return to being intimate with us and live with us, not in separation, but in unity. It means to be assured, confident, and secure in the love and the care that God has for us. It means to have a sense, a consciousness, a knowledge that God will provide that God will guide, that God will strengthen, that God will sustain, that God will save, that God will deliver, that God will encourage, that God will give real life both now and forever. We can experience the peace of God only as we walk and move about in prayer. Why? Because only God can deliver man through the most severe circumstances and tragedies in life. Only God can infuse assurance and security within the human soul. 
The wonderful promise about the peace of God is twofold. First, the peace of God passes all understanding. It's beyond anything that we can ask or think. It surpasses even our imagination. Think of the most terrible situation you can imagine, even worse than the one that we're in now. Then think of the peace you would want as you went through this trial. In actual experience, the peace of God is far greater than anything you could ever imagine or understand. The peace of God actually carries the faithful believer through the midst of the trial or tribulation. It's important for us to understand in Scripture that God delivers us through, not so much from, trials and tribulation. He said these things would come, but he would be with us through it. And because of that unity with him, we could enjoy success in the storm. Don't focus on the storm. Focus on Jesus. Second, the peace of God keeps our hearts and our minds. This is so vitally essential. The word shall keep is a military word. It means to garrison, to keep guarded or protected. It deals with watching in advance and being a sentinel to protect you from what is coming as well as what is here. There is a dual forceful meaning to this word. The peace of God is like an elite soldier who guards and protects the most precious possession of God. And that is your heart and your mind. Understand, this is not done in a manner we normally associate with a peaceful action. This is a violent overthrowing of him who overthrew Adam, in turn overthrew us when Eve was distracted from God's true word. Even in that encounter, we speak of it like it was a calm conversation between friends. But there was a violent insurrection which took a free creation full of power and subjected it to weakness and then imprisoned it. However, God can keep us only as we are in Christ Jesus. We can know the peace of God only if we have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior and only if we walk in fellowship with him. To be in Christ means to walk in Christ, to live, to move, to have our being in Christ. John 14 and 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. He goes on, John in 16 and 33, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know what that tells me? God has already overcome COVID-19 in Christ Jesus. The very health of Jesus is infused in the life of a believer. Even as Jesus took our sins away and imputed in us his righteousness, he imputed in us his health. We are delivered already from sickness and disease. Isaiah says in 26 and 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. What is your mind on? 
Where is the focus of your thoughts today? Is it to catch the next news briefing? Or is it seeking the news briefing of heaven? Psalm 29 and 11 says, The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Peace comes through positive thinking. The word think means to consider, to reflect, to reason, to ponder, to make an inventory which builds support to create the ability of focusing your thought until they shape your behavior. The truth is what we think is what we become. Where we have kept our mind is where we truly are. Our thoughts shape our behavior. What we do is a reflection of what we think. Famous theologian William Barclay made this statement. It is a law of life that if a man thinks of something often enough and long enough, he will come to the stage when he cannot stop thinking about it. His thoughts will be quite literally in a groove out of which he cannot jerk them. Are your thoughts in a groove with COVID-19 out of which you cannot jerk them? That they are now governing your behavior, fueling your anxiety, or your thoughts in a groove with the word of truth? That Jesus has come, that we might have life, and that we might have it more abundantly. A person who centers their thoughts upon the world and the things of the world will live for the world and the things of the world. Doesn't matter what it is, money, wealth, lands, property, houses, possession, position, power, recognition, honor, social standing, fame, all kinds of worldly pursuits. If this is where your thoughts are, then this is where your, you will be. Your thoughts will be upon the flesh and the lusts of the flesh, and you'll live to satisfy your flesh through such things as pride, self, greed, pleasure, sex. If it's focused upon the eyes and the lusts of the eyes, it will live to satisfy the eyes and its lusts through such things as the immoral, the pornographic filth flaunted in magazines, films, books, internet, television, the exposing of the human body, dressing to attract attention, taking that second look. If it's on the pride of life, you'll live to satisfy such things as the desire for recognition, for honor, position, or authority. A mind set upon the world and the flesh is what leads to anxiety, to emptiness and restlessness. This was the stress of the formal point I was making in Philippians 4. A worldly mind never knows peace, not true peace, not a lasting peace, not the peace of God. God will just never allow a worldly mind to have peace. For it is the restlessness of the human soul that he uses to reach men for salvation. The point is this. When you accept Jesus Christ, your mind is renewed by the Spirit of God. 
Romans 12 and 2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Ephesians 4, 23 and 24 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Colossians 3 and 10 says, And have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So once you've been converted to Christ, you become a new creation. Your focus are upon God and the things of God. You are to give your mind over to positive thinking, not worldly thinking. In fact, you ought to think only positive thoughts. A believer is never to allow immoral, fleshly, worldly, sinful, selfish, or evil thoughts to enter their mind. There is never to be a negative thought whatsoever in the mind of the believer. Sinful and negative thoughts only disrupt and destroy the peace that God is trying to give. It's for this reason that every believer is to struggle to conquer their mind and their thoughts. You are to exert every cell of energy possible to captivate and control every thought that you imagine. What we think is so important that God tells us what we are to think. And as I move to my close, let me just leave you with the thoughts that will lead you to your peace. The charge is to think and practice positive thinking. So whatsoever things are true, real and genuine, many things in the world seem to be true, but they are not. They are false and deceptive. They're an illusion. They're a counterfeit. They seem to offer peace, but what they offer is a deceptive counterfeit peace. They lead to the theology of escapism. We are to keep our minds upon things that are true, and we are to live our lives in a true manner, both to men and to God. When our thoughts and lives are centered upon true things, peace comes to the human heart. Think about those things that are honest, honorable, worthy, highly respected and noble. My good friend William Barclay says the word really describes that which has the dignity of holiness upon it. There are things in this world which are flippant and cheap, things which are attractive to the light-minded, but it is on the things which are grave and serious and dignified that the Christian will set his mind. We ought to think about those things that are just, that means right and righteous. It has to do with right behavior toward man and God. A believer is to keep his thoughts upon his duty toward men and God, upon doing what is right in both avenues, in both relationships. Man is to be responsible, to be a responsible being while he's living here on the earth. He is responsible for the earth, and he's responsible for his fellow human beings, and he is to be held accountable by God for both. Therefore, he's not to focus his thoughts upon comfort and selfish pleasures and pursuits, but you ought to focus your thoughts upon the things that are just and righteous. You owe your thought and mind, not to the world, but to God. 
you owe whatever contribution that you can make to the world and to God to come from God. A mind filled with just and righteous thoughts will know peace. Think about those things that are pure. That means morally clean, spotless, stainless, undefiled, free from moral pollution, filth and dirt, and the impurities of worldly way of thinking. A believer's mind and thoughts are to be pure. Not some thoughts, but every thought. We're supposed to think about those things that are lovely, pleasing, winsome, gracious, things that excite and inspire love and kindness. The believer's thoughts are not to be thoughts of unkindness and meanness, grumbling and murmuring, criticism. The believer's thoughts are to be focused upon things that are lovely, those things that build up, not tear down. Those things that talk about the commonalities between all of humanity, not the differences. We ought to think about those things that are of a good report, that's reputable, high tone, worthy things, things of the highest quality. I think the First Lady, uh, 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 Michelle Obama, made the statement, when they go low, we go high. Well, the life and the thought of a believer should always be high. The believer should think only upon worthy things, never to fill his mind with junk, not to listen to bad reports, no matter how juicy they may seem. Neither is he to fill his mind with junk, whether through rumor, radio, television, music, off-color jokes, or whatever the source may be. Your thoughts are to be focused only upon worthy things, only upon that which is of a good report. And Paul closes by saying, if there be any virtue, that means excellence. And if there be any praise in your thoughts, think on these things. Positive thinking is the answer to peace for the Christian believer. The source for positive, for the power of positive thinking is twofold. There is the word of God. Paul says that he preached and taught the very virtues of positive thinking to the Philippians and that they had learned them. What Paul had preached and taught was the will of God. Therefore, the source or power for positive thinking comes from the word of God. It is in the word of God that you will find the things that are to fill your mind. Your thoughts are to be upon the teachings of God's word. There is the energy and power of self-effort and discipline. Note the word, those things do. As a believer, it is expected that you control and discipline your mind, that you struggle against all sinful and negative thoughts. You fight to think only positive things because the result of positive thinking is the God of peace will be with you. Romans 8 and 5, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. And let me just give you this final scripture as I begin to say goodbye for today. 2 Corinthians 10 and 5, casting down imaginations 
and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, in bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. If you want to know the wonderful peace of God in a time that is seemingly uncertain, is to not focus upon the uncertainty in the land because of the lack of knowledge of man, but to remain focused on God, knowing that he's already resolved this crisis. For in God there is no past, there is no future, there is only now. God is here in our right now crisis with his answer. And that is life. We shall live and declare the works of the Lord. I hope that this has brought you some level of peace. I ask that you continue to think about the things that I've shared with you today, that you take the opportunity of the stay-at-home order to spend more time with God, to research His Word, to talk with Him, to sing songs of praise and jubilee with Him, to love on Him, to be intimate with Him. And you will find an overwhelming sense of peace that you will not be concerned about what's going on in the sense that it brings anxiety. But you'll be waiting for that day when we will join together in great fellowship to celebrate the victory God has won for us that's already been secured for us at the cross at Calvary. I am well and in good health in my body, in my mind, in my soul, and in my spirit. I am right now prospering even as my soul is prospering in the Lord. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and know that God loves you and so do I. Have a wonderful Sunday.